Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about the optical illusion that makes stars look like UFOs, surprising facts about one of math's greatest mysteries, and why the most common form of prejudice may surprise you. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Did you know that if you stare at a star in the night sky for long enough, it'll start to move? I mean, it's not really moving, but it sure looks like it is. Same if you stare at a faraway streetlight or basically any bright stationary points on a dark background. And if you've ever wondered why this happens, the answer is that it is an optical illusion called the autokinetic effect. And it could explain why a lot of people think they've seen UFOs throughout history. A German astronomer named Alexander von Humboldt noticed this phenomenon at the turn of the 19th century, and it took decades for the scientific community to figure out the reason why. So let's celebrate those decades of research by learning about their conclusions. Of course, it all goes back to how the human eye works. Your eye moves a lot throughout the day, and sometimes that movement is voluntary, while other times it's involuntary. When you have a stable point of reference in your field of vision alongside a bright dot, your brain can kind of edit out your eye movements, meaning it removes any blurring or twitchiness in what you see. So if the dot is near something, you won't notice little movements in your eye because your brain has a system for pretty much ignoring them. But when your entire field of vision is filled with a white dot, or even a few white dots, against a dark background, you lose that ability to tell the difference between movements of your eye and movements of the dot. So when your eye muscles start to get tired from staring and it causes slight eye movements, you mistakenly attribute the movement to whatever you're looking at. This powerful optical illusion is called the autokinetic effect because auto means self and kinetic means motion. Hence, it basically means self-created motion. And the autokinetic effect, as I mentioned before, is precisely why you should be skeptical of many UFO sightings. Just because the phrase, I saw it with my own eyes, may technically be true, it doesn't mean you should always trust what your eyes are actually seeing. After all, we're only human. Now, when I was abducted by aliens, on the other hand, Ashley, because <laughs> I know that was your follow-up question. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> You've probably heard of Fermat's last theorem, the mathematical principle that took more than 300 years to solve. But do you know the full story of where it came from and how it was solved? Because it's a great story, and that's why you're about to hear it. Mathematician Pierre de Fermat came up with a theorem before his death in 1665, and it seemed simple enough. Prove that there are no whole number solutions for n in the equation x to the n plus y to the n equals z to the n when n is greater than two. Even more simple than the theorem itself, though, was where the theorem was found. After Fermat passed away, his son found his copy of Arithmetic, which was a math book written by the third century mathematician Diophantus of Alexandria. And inside that book, he found the theorem, scribbled in the margin, originally in Latin, and concluding with the brag, I have discovered a truly marvelous demonstration of this proposition that this margin is too narrow to contain. So he basically said, I solved this, but it's not even worth explaining how I solved it. Not even not worth it. He just doesn't have room for it, so he's not going to do it there. <laughs> like, he doesn't have other paper. Wow. <laughs> but this wasn't the only brilliant idea Fermat had scribbled in the margins of a page, either. He'd written down plenty of claims like it, and mathematicians soon began working out these so-called proofs for themselves. 
Most were met with successful proofs, except for that puzzle that became known as Fermat's Last Theorem. The problem wasn't solved until May of 1995, more than 330 years after Fermat's death. The mathematician who solved it was Andrew Wiles, who first found the problem in 1963 when he was just 10 years old. To solve it, Wiles used advanced mathematics that hadn't been invented until long after Fermat's death. So whether Fermat's brag in the margins was true, we'll never know. Whether or not Fermat actually had a truly marvelous solution, it definitely wasn't this one. At least, unless he was several centuries ahead of his time. But regardless of his true aims, remember that the note Fermat wrote in a margin of an old book set the world of mathematics ablaze for centuries. Not all heroes wear capes, and not all good ideas are published in scholarly journals. I know I am going to start writing in every book I own about all of the genius ideas I have, but just don't have room to talk about. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yep. Good thinking. <laughs> and if you ever see Tom Stoppard's Arcadia being performed at a theater near you, go see it because Fermat's Last Theorem is actually a central plot point of that play. Very cool. I saw a great performance in Chicago a few months ago. And actually, I noticed a lot of things that I didn't know before I started working at Curiosity. So if you're an avid fan of Curiosity and you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I think you'll really appreciate the play a lot more. Arcadia is the name? Tom Stoppard's Arcadia. Yeah. Nice. Classic. Today's episode is sponsored by Arm & Hammer and their new cloud control cat litter. Listen up, cat lovers. You love your cat, but you don't love cleaning up your cat's litter box, right? Well, this cat litter can make your life a little easier so you can enjoy your favorite things about your cat. Like for me, I love that my cat talks to me. What? She just always has to interject in every conversation, no matter what. She's just, she's a very talkative cat. Does she like to cat explain to you? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of cat explaining going on. Wow. But again, cleaning up after her isn't always fun, which is why Arm & Hammer created new cloud control litter. There's no cloud of stuff when I scoop. It's 100% dust-free, free of heavy perfumes, and it helps reduce airborne dander from scooping. So what happens in the litter box stays in the litter box, meaning you get to clean splain. Uh, good one. <laughs> <laughs> new cloud control cat litter by Arm & Hammer. More power to you. The most common form of prejudice may surprise you, and it's important to recognize just how prevalent it is so maybe you can avoid contributing to it. So let's get into it. First off, I think we can all agree that all types of prejudice are bad. We should all be nice to people. But last month, researchers published a review of the current research we do have on this particular type of prejudice, and they concluded that it's so common and widespread, we don't even recognize how impactful it is. I'm talking about ageism, and it has very negative effects. For example, a 2001 survey found that more than 77% of older people reported being the target of ageist behaviors, which ranged from being told ageist jokes to being mistreated by doctors. What's more, young people with negative ageist views can grow up to be old people with negative ageist views, and those internalized beliefs can take a serious toll. A 2002 study from Yale found that older people who have a negative view of aging are likely to live seven and a half years less on average than those who viewed aging in a more positive light. Part of the problem may be the fact that ageism is not only tolerated, but it often goes completely unnoticed. 
that results in lots of different forms of ageism to be considered normal. As Laura A. Robbins writes for the American Society on Aging, quote, We can't imagine anti-women or anti-black products, yet we buy into ads for billions of dollars worth of anti-aging creams and cosmetic products, unquote. Robbins also points out that even the simple definition of older adults could be considered ageist. Older adulthood covers about 40 or more years, from age 60 to ages 100 and older. Our society would never lump together a 10-year-old with a 50-year-old, but we seem to have no problem lumping older adults together, assuming a 60-year-old is the same as a 100-year-old. Luckily, there is work being done to fight this trend. In 2012, eight major aging organizations joined together to discuss the best ways to combat ageism. Since then, they've been working diligently to reframe a lot of the questions and unchecked beliefs surrounding aging and ageism. But for this effort to take hold, people need to do what they can on an individual level. Try to remember that everyone is valuable, and when you unquestioningly hold beliefs about older people, you might discount their very real contributions to society. That's all for today, but you can keep learning all weekend on Curiosity.com. And tomorrow, keep an eye out for a special Saturday episode of Curiosity Daily. It's part of our sponsored mini-series on how science and technology are being applied to drive innovation and change the world. We'll be back with our regularly scheduled programming on Sunday, but I invite you to join us every day for the award-winning Curiosity Daily to learn something new in just a few minutes. And have a great weekend. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.